Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Wolfpackers show. This is a little bit of a uh, post Game morning after reflections episode of the Wolfpacker show. I'm uh, Matt Carter making a basketball show debut. I guess it's Ethan McDowell. Um, so we're diving into the Virginia Tech win last night, looking ahead to Clemson here. But just a couple quick reminders, really quick. First, um, you know, please take advantage of uh, subscribing to our YouTube channel. Uh, we're getting very, 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 very close to 2,000 subscribers on the channel. When I say subscribe, it doesn't cost you any money. You just have to click a button. That's it. And it helps us out. It helps us make some money. They, that's the secret. So please uh, do that for us. You can also uh, get this podcast. If you like it in podcast form, you can get it wherever you may listen to your podcast. You know, Spotify, Google Play, wherever. Um, but be sure to rate and review. Maybe leave a comment. If you have an issue, direct it at Ethan. If you have a compliment, give it to me. Um, and then, then certainly uh, follow us on Twitter. We also have a Facebook account. Very easy to remember. The Wolf Packer. That's the Twitter and Facebook handles. And then uh, subscribe to the website. A lot of good, good stuff has been going up lately. Um, fortunately, the, the deals are not as good as they used to be. But they are still out there. If you didn't take advantage of the flash sale, uh, you could have gotten four months for 10 bucks. But you can get from now to the end of August, which will cover you to right up to the start of football season, including the crazy offseason in basketball that's already starting with kids getting into the transfer portal. You also have the month of June, which is basically the, the peak of football recruiting. And that's when Ethan, Ethan McDowell's byline will be all over the place. Um, you can get all those months for twenty nine ninety nine. So that's a really good deal. That's basically like half price. So can't guarantee how much longer these deals will, will be out there for you. And last but not least, please uh, check out our sponsors, RogueShop.com, R-O-G, it's in girl, U-E-S-H-O-P. Um, they have natural cannabis products for your, some of the needs you may have, whether it be anxiety or, or chronic pain, sleep deprivation, these are natural legal products that can help, may be able to help you out. It's a, it's a husband-wife outfit. The husband is a former uh, is a disabled former veteran. Uh, he tried these products to help out with some of the issues he was dealing with and found it helpful, and now he's trying to help others. Um, they're very responsive. It's a small business. They have a live chat with a real human being on the other end on the Internet. They're also on our message board, so... Feel free to give them a chat. They do respond. If you have any questions, they've been responded to some already on the message board. So uh, with that said, not quite under three minutes. I didn't hit my target, but who did hit that target last night was NC State. And we're going to talk about that a lot. Um, but I wanted to give a little plug to football recruiting, believe it or not. Ethan, 
NC State has one commitment last night. I don't want you to give it away because it's premium, but you did make three predictions for NC State yesterday on the website. In about two minutes or less, maybe give a summary of how you feel about NC State football recruiting because I got asked a question in the premium chat. Maybe you can answer this. How many commitments do you think NC State has by the end of April? Okay, by the end of April. Two and a half. Okay. So coming into the spring, I thought um, March and April, but specifically these first couple weeks of March were going to be pretty crucial to how this class ends up shaping up because um, I think early in, early momentum in recruiting is as important as ever. You see it a lot with like South Carolina right now has a ton of early momentum and it's um, having an impact on, um, you know, some people, even that NC state's recruiting where, um, you know, you get all, you get a few guys in the class early. You saw it with Lex Thomas last year for NC state and um, Javon Tavarine. They were um, pretty um, huge in bringing in some talent last year. So I thought, um, going into the spring, NC State needed to build some momentum pretty quickly because we only have the one commit from Ken and Lewis right now. So they had to kind of get things going. And I think they have. Um, they really, really impressed um, during their first junior day visits um, last week. And they're hosting a bunch of their top targets this week as well. And that starts today. A couple of um, key visitors definitely wants to watch arrive in on campus um, today. So Check out thewolfpacker.com for details on who that is. We have a whole running list up there that we're updating pretty much every day. Um, as far as the over-under, um, said two and a half. Yeah. I'm going to say by the end of April. End of April, two and a half. They're basically two or three. Yeah, I'll say over. I, th- I think they'll go in with three. I think they'll land a couple early commitments. Um they're in a good spot with um, a few guys right now. That's why we just put in those three predictions. They're, all three are guys I feel confident in. Maybe not deciding by the end of April, but these junior days, I think we'll see a couple guys um, decide to shut things down and um, start building upon what um, what I think could be a really solid class here, especially um, something I'm going to have a lot of info on today is the uh, inroads they're making in Georgia. I think they're building a lot of momentum in Georgia, especially right now. And there's a few priority prospects there that um, I think are worth monitoring going forward. Yeah. And Georgia's always been important for NC State, I think. And they kind of view Georgia, I don't think I know, they view Georgia as their second best state in, in football yep. and based on results, particularly on the field. I mean, it seems the guys from Georgia seem to, to hit more than miss when they get to NC State. So, um, all right, let's talk basketball. That's what most people are interested in. Ethan, I want you to uh, share with the uh, listeners and viewers um, what your father texted you this morning about NC State's performance. Okay, yeah. So just a little background. Um, My dad's a professor at um, Virginia Tech. So I woke up to um, a text this morning from him telling me that um, he thinks NC State could have beat the uh, 87 Lakers. Like, I don't think anyone was slowing down um, NC State last night. And I, I agree. I, I think um, it would have been very tough for anyone in the country to beat NC State. And, um, yeah, so I think even from an outside perspective, um, yeah. last night was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know how it translated on TV, but, you know, 
and, and I'm not trying to brag, oh, I'm sitting courtside, whatever, but, <laughs> um, you know, sitting on press row, the energy level and the effort level was just different. And that's not a knock on Virginia Tech. It's really a credit to NC State because I think Virginia Tech, they're a bit of an enigma this year. Um, they've beaten some really, really good teams. And then they had some very, you know, quite a few head scratches. Mm-hmm. But last night, I don't think it was an effort or energy issue from their part. I just think NC State, I don't know if I've seen them play that hard with that much effort and energy on both ends of the court um, last, than I saw last night. I don't know if that translated over in the television. But that's what I was seeing courtside, and it just seemed like Virginia Tech was just kind of, yeah, I, I used the word dizzy. They were just kind of trying to catch up. They couldn't catch up to NC State, and they were just getting, you know, NC State was just running circles around them. Yeah, it was pretty much the exact um, response that I was looking for out of the team coming out of those last couple games of the regular season. I mean, you could tell they really wanted this one. Um, of course, the stakes were high, but – um you know, they, they came out and they delivered um, from the first shot. Um, w- once that first three went down, I was sitting there and I, I was even like, uh-oh, like Virginia Tech might be in some trouble here. And, yeah, uh, um, Turquavion was locked in. That was key. And, and when his shot's falling and he's pulling up from beyond NBA range and those are going in, and Jarkel's creating his shot and finding open teammates, it's a hard team to beat when both guards are cooking like that. I think Keith said something to that effect after the game. Once, um, once when they're both going, it's it's a hard hard team to stop. Yeah, and what would their combined total? Fifty points? Was it seventeen assists? Eight, Eighteen? I know Jarkel had the double double, twenty and 10. yeah. So Jarkel got close to another triple double. He finished with them um, twenty ten and seven, and um, Terquavion had thirty points, eight rebounds, and three assists, and only one turnover between them combined too. So. Yeah. That's a thirteen to one assist to turnover <laughs> ratio. That that's good. That that'll win you some basketball games, especially when you're combining the score fifty points and you yeah. have a, a usage rate and you have the ball in your hands as much as those two guys do. Yeah, and that's really what the story was last night. Is you have arguably the ACC's best backcourt, and if you have arguably the ACC's best backcourt, you're probably going to have arguably one of the country's best backcourt by nature. Mm-hmm. And they played at peak form. I mean, it wasn't a performance with Tequavion. What did he see? 13 shots? Yeah, that's the other thing. 30 points on 13 shots? That's That's ridiculous. That's that's insanely efficient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing he really did wrong offensively was miss two free throws when he got Mm -hmm. fouled on a three-point and he missed his first first two free throws. And Jarkel Joyner wasn't quite as efficient as that, but I believe he was like 8 of 15, so he was above yep, you got it. 50%. Um, and that, to the point your father made, to kind of bring it full circle there, when you have one of the best backcourts in the country and they're playing at peak form, what do you do? I mean, that's when entry state becomes exceptionally difficult. To yep. And the crazy thing is, they only got three points in one bucket from DJ Bones and still still scoring 97 points. I was going to mention that. Like, how many games this year 
has um, DJ gotten into foul trouble, and um, that's kind of completely disrupted the offensive momentum, kind of disrupted the game plan, and that's where in-state will start to struggle. Um, in games where DJ ends with one made field goal, I feel like usually doesn't go well for NC State. So the fact that they were able to um, find production elsewhere, it, it's a good sign for the postseason run to come. And I think um, Kevin Keats kind of admitted this was an adjustment. I think Dewana in particular going hard off the pick and roll to the basket. It was mm -hmm. a hard, you know, he was setting a good pick, number one. And two, he was cutting hard to the basket. He, he's got to find a way to make teams respect him when he's on the court. And that's a way to do it. And he ended up with a, a career high 11 points in the first half to make up for some of what um, happened to uh, DJ Burns with the foul trouble. But I thought there was one slight adjustment we saw with having him really cut hard to the basket on the pick and roll and find a way to contribute offensively. Did a nice job catching and finishing uh, around the rim as well. So there really wasn't a whole not a whole lot to dislike about last night. I mean, no. kudos to Virginia Tech. They actually outscored NC State in the second half. And I think the uh, – is it Rodney Rice? I know it's right. Yeah. He's got a nice future um, at Virginia Tech. Uh, he had a lot of threes in the, in the second half to kind of help with that. And they ended up with 77 points. But I don't feel like that's a defensive issue. I think that was more of a, you know, we got this game won by 25 points. It's going to be natural lapses and and defense a little bit in the, in the, in the second half. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a bit of a concerted effort to kind of save your legs for the next night as well. Yeah. And as one of the um, blessings in disguise of DJ Bones being in foul trouble in a game like this, he ends up only playing 15 minutes. Yep. And we all know we don't have to beat around in the bush. If you're going to worry about a guy conditioning him over four games and you're hoping to win an ACC title, DJ Bones is that guy. And Well, you essentially got a night off for him to go into the Clemson matchup. We're going to talk about Clemson real quick, but Greg Gant, I wanted to bring that up. Didn't look very pretty. I saw a replay. It looked to me, I only saw one replay. You probably got a better look at it. It looked to me like maybe Justin Much accidentally landed or stepped on his outside of his ankle. And I think it was Much. And then, he, and, yeah, his leg just got rolled over onto and um, bent yeah. in a bad way. And yeah, it doesn't look good. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned on Twitter, I thought it, be nice to point out, I, you know, I was in the locker room after the game and in walks in Mike Young, the head coach of Virginia Tech. He was looking for Greg Gant, and Greg Gant was kind of in the corner of the room by himself, sitting on the uh, trainer's table. He had had some teammates over earlier. Uh, Dewana and Casey Morsell had come over to talk to him. But the room was kind of emptying out, and Mike Young comes in and you can tell. You can tell he's got a natural leader. He just went right up. I think he put his arm around Greg Gant and, and said a few words to him. I don't know what he said, but I thought that was a very classy act um, on Mike Young's part. You know, and now all of a sudden it's your entry state. You, you kind of now you're down to four guys in that front court, and you don't really have a tall wing to. Uh, go small with. I mean, if, if you're going to go small, it's going to be really small with four guards. So 
Yeah, just what do you what do you think about how that? I mean, I think the natural move would to put Jack Clark in the starting lineup and Ernest Ross get lion's share of the bench minutes. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of faith in Jack Clark personally. I really like him as a player, and um, I think it could be nice for him to if he, if he gets into a rhythm. Honestly, I think it could be kind of raise this team's ceiling even more if he starts hitting shots and what he brings defensively on that end will be nice as well. But um, it hurts. It hurts. But, um, you know, your rotation gets shortened in the postseason a little bit anyways. But um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it changes. I I like Ernest Ross. I, I think he brings good energy, and um, I think he can make some plays and spot minutes. So – and maybe he plays the same um, kind of role as Duana, where he's just kind of like rim running and kind of making an impact on offense this way because they have two guards that can find big men on the pick and rolls and stuff like that. But um, it becomes all the more important for um, DJ to stay out of foul trouble now. Um, I, I think the impact of that's just going to get even more exaggerated from here on out. I'm and hopefully Gant can come back um, – soon but like like we said it doesn't doesn't look too promising yeah it'd be hard pressed to see a guy who was in a full leg brace on crutches yeah after the game at least for the acc tournament just gotta assume even if it's not a really serious injury even a sprained knee you're talking swelling you're talking soreness i mean it just when a basketball player needs his knee as much as anything um but you're right about foul trouble. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think every one of those front court players, except for Greg Gant, ended the game with four or five fouls. Bones had four. Yeah. Jack Clark fouled out. Dewana had four. Yeah. <laughs> that is something you're, I mean, you're dead on. They're going to have to learn how to not foul. Uh, and Ross had two in his nine minutes. Yeah. So, <laughs> but extend that out, he would have had four and 18. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about Clemson. It's been a yeah. tough matchup for NC State this year. I'm a big fan of Clemson. I think they got two legit first team all ACC type of guys in Hunter Tyson and PJ Hall. PJ Hall is a very challenging assignment for DJ Burns because he. You have to have a big guy on him. The interesting thing last night, Ethan, was they switched it up and they they Grant Basile for Virginia Tech is such a great three point shooter. They put their four on him, the more athletic guy, Grant and Clark and Ross, mm -hmm. and they gave Burns much, Justin much, who can shoot the three, but he much more prefers to work the baseline or the free throw line and, and generate his offense from there. Um, you can't do that on Clemson because P.J. Hall is so big and strong that if you tried to guard him with Ernest Ross or Jack Clark, it's not going to go well. You have to have D.J. Bunch. Yet he's so agile and it's such a good three-point shooter that he's going to draw D.J. Burns away from the basket. Um, and they have very physical guards. Which Quavion Smith's career numbers against Clemson are not pretty. And it's not a one-off. It's four games now. So I would venture to say of all the matchups in the ACC at the top of the league, this one may be the toughest for NC State. 
I'd say UNC is probably the only competition there with Baycott, but I, I, I agree because I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure what you do against um, that team because you, you can't really help off them too because they have guys that can knock um, knock down shots at a pretty good clip. So second in the ACC in three point shooting percentage of the team. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be a, really hard to stop them. But um, you, you talked about Turquavion and um, yeah, his numbers against Clemson aren't good. Um, one of my personal things about Turquavion is just um, his mentality with a lot of this stuff. Like I think he, I think he hears all this stuff and takes it very personally. And he's heard a lot of it recently. And I, I don't know if um you saw on Twitter, but um he, he was tweeting a little bit about it last night. But um, I think. Last night, when when he gets rolling, he, he, I I don't care how physical Clemson's guards are, like you're not going to be able to stop him. So if he can keep that momentum going in, um, could be huge for tonight. But um, yeah, it, I I'd, I'd like to see him kind of turn around that momentum against against the Tigers. Let me ask you this: Are you a believer in this theory that you got to save your shots, or in baseball, you say save your runs? You know, you get that game where you. You got 17 runs through five innings, and you're like, man, save some of these runs. And then the next game, score two. Or in basketball, you make 17 threes in a game, and then the next, you make five. Um, any concerns about playing too well that they poured it all out against Virginia Tech before getting to Clemson? No, no, I, I don't have any um, concerns about that. I feel like it's more of a situation where they came out. Um, just as flame throws in the first half. And then midway through the second half, you can already start to kind of like emotionally be like, all right, like we got this one. Now, now let's refocus and um, let's think about what we have to do next. And so it's not like you're winning in the last second where you're spending all 40 minutes consumed with like this result. The moment they got to the locker room, they're like, all right, Clemson, let's talk about it. Let's focus in, let's lock in. And um yeah, I, I, and I think as far as when it's you're talking about a guy like Turquavion or Jarkel and um, carrying over that hot shooting, um, if, if you're hot, just keep keep throwing it up there until you cool off. So we'll, we'll <laughs> see if that happens tonight. But um, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, other thing too, you know, Clemson did beat NC State twice this year. It's going to be hard for them to replicate what they did in Raleigh. I mean, that was just uh, one yeah, of their yeah. freaky shooting performances. So while it's going to be hard for NC State to replicate what they did against Virginia Tech, you know, the odds that Clemson going to come out and shoot 60% like they did against NC State and Raleigh are not, are not great either. So a very interesting game. And, and Clemson needs this, by the way. You know, this is, when you talk mm -hmm. about motivation, you know, I'm probably not uh, I'm more cautious about my bracketology on NC State than others. Crazy thing is, it's now NC State down to one net win, quad one win, because they beat Virginia Tech too badly last night. That Virginia Tech fell out of that road win in Blacksburg, fell from quad one to quad two. Um, I think NC State's in a good spot. Wisconsin losing last mm -hmm. night probably burst their bubble. So really, you're just down to, yeah, you're really talking about like eight or nine teams with seven spots. At this point, and NC State's clearly not the bottom two of those eight or nine teams. So, uh, as long as you don't get a lot of bid stealing and a lot of elevating from other teams below that group, now Clemson's one of those teams. I like Clemson. I like their resume. They just have one really bad part of their resume. It's just an unbelievable cachet of bad losses. 
two quad three losses and two quad four losses. Uh, so they need this one. So it'll be interesting to see how Clemson – we saw, as you mentioned, how did NC State handle the pressure and come out and perform? We're going to see how Clemson handles that now because they yep. need it even more than NC State probably needs it. So it'll be, the mind game is going to be interesting to see. How far out is um, Clemson on the bubble right now? What, what are they looking at? You know, I, when I look at Clemson, I think they're a little bit stronger than maybe the bracketologists. But mm-hmm. they're not the bracketmatrix.com, which is kind of a nice place to go to just because they survey it all for you and keep it updated. Clemson didn't get a single at-large vote, which surprised, doesn't surprise me. But you would think that, oh, that means they're not even on the bubble. I think they're probably one of those everybody's both four eight out teams, but there's nobody that has them in the field. So to answer your question, I would suspect if the NIT was held, I would suspect Clemson's a one or two seed. Yeah. If, if, I mean, the, the NIT will be held. Um, it, you know, Clemson would be a one or two seed, which means they're, they're, I think they're very, very close. I think they get a couple of wins in the ACC tournament. All of a sudden, they move up. Yeah, very similar to North Carolina. I know NC State fans don't want to hear that, but somewhat similar uh, to North Carolina in that regard. So we'll see. It should be a fun one and another late one in Greensburg, <laughs> North Carolina. But the people at the Coliseum have been awesome, by the way. Yeah, what's the environment like there? It's the first time it's been back in a little bit, right? So what's it like in Greensboro? Yeah, you know, 2020 was when the world shut down. It was uh, in Greensboro. Um, it was good. It should be really good today. I understand this is the first time since 2006, maybe, that all four North Carolina-based schools are playing on the same day. Yeah. And, the, and they are each game. It's not like playing mm-hmm. so one um, in each game. So now Wake and Duke being in the afternoon, that might be a little bit of a smaller crowd because they've got two, they're the two smaller schools. Um but then the night session should be pretty electric because Virginia actually travels pretty well. So did Virginia Tech, by the way. Um, you might not have heard it on TV, but I think that was just a byproduct of they they had nothing to cheer for. Yeah. From start to finish in that game. Um, but there will be a lot of Carolina, a lot of NC State fans, and a lot of Virginia. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a decent you know, little zone for Clemson as well. So it should be a pretty electric atmosphere in Greensboro. That's the advantage of Greensboro, right? The location and the convenience yep. of it. And that's, that's that's the advantage of it. And that's why a lot of people liked it there. Not Jim Beheim, who sayonara, he's done. Uh, the irony and justice of his career ending in Greensboro against Wake Forest, the de facto Greensboro team of the ACC on a buzzer shot by a young man from Winston-Salem down the road from Greensboro. So, Poetic. <laughs> you could not write that up. So, uh, Ethan, great debut. Be sure to check him out on the Wolfpack. What's your Twitter handle? Ethan M. McDowell, right? Yep. All right. Check him out on Twitter. He's loading it up on scoops. Um, we will be back at the Greensboro Coliseum 
tonight. We'll have another one of these episodes tomorrow morning. Um, be sure to take advantage of um, the deal to sign up to the website for four months for $29.99. I am doing daily premium bubble reports. I got your full viewing guide of who you're wanting to watch and why you're wanting outcomes a certain way. For instance, if you've read yesterday, I said you probably want Syracuse to have a close loss to Wake Forest because the way the net is working now, they wouldn't fall that much, if at all, and they wouldn't have to play Miami where they would risk getting their butts kicked, and then they would fall a lot. And that that was the only opportunity out there for NC State to end up with a quad three or quad four loss. And it turns out, that's exactly what happened. Syracuse lost at the budget, fell down one spot, and they're probably going to settle right around there and avoid being a quad three loss. So little kind of analysis of what you can expect out of that report. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Wolfpacker. Like us, subscribe to us on YouTube or wherever you may get your um, podcast and listen to your podcast. And last but not least, please go check out our sponsors, RogueShop.com. R-O-G as in girl, U-E-S-H-O-P dot com. They got all your natural cannabis needs, whether it's uh, anxiety or chronic pain or sleep deprivation. And you've you tried a lot of things and they don't seem to work. You give it a try. They're legal. It's natural. It's safe. And it may help. It certainly helped the owners of this company. They believe in it. They And um, you always want to, to order from a company that believed in what what they are selling so give them a like uh give them a, a follow and and check them out so for ethan and for myself matt carter i don't know if i ever introduced myself on this podcast um this has been the wolf show <laughs>